Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. I am uh, really excited to share this message with you this morning. And uh, before I get started, I want to, um, you know, have a a few explanations ahead of time. Uh, This is going to be a collaboration, okay? I'm giving control of the clicker to someone else, all right? So if Keith wants me to move along, we'll move along. If he wants me to... He wants me to stay on a point. We're going to stay on a point this morning. So that's the risk. But I guarantee you, we will be on time that way, right? So we'll work it that way. But before we get started, uh, Keith has taught me something very valuable uh, in, in preparing us before we get into a message. And that is taking a time for us to clear our thoughts taking a time for us to pray by ourselves for this time because we are taking a look at the word of God and we are trying to apply it to our lives, our hearts, our minds. And sometimes we're not present (laughs) the way we should be. And we need that focus. And so this is something I've learned by while being here and i really appreciate it so let's take just a few moments let's pray to ourselves for the message and then i'll close this heavenly father we are so very grateful to be gathered together this morning to worship you to praise you to lift your name up high Father, at this time, we beg you, we ask you to help our minds be prepared to receive your word. Father, your word is simple to us, but oftentimes it's just very hard to put into practice. We we get in the way of ourselves and we ask you today, please help us hear your word. Please help us put it into practice. Please help us accept it as from your very mouth. Father, uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a little video, and then we'll uh, jump in. Yeah, that chokes me up. (laughs) That's rough. Let's go to the slide with Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's an amazing scripture, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share it with you. Let's read this together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. You know, this is an amazing scripture. It, it's inspiring and very challenging. So today what we're going to do, and go ahead to the next slide, is we are looking at another exhortation that the writer of Hebrews gives us. And what is that exhortation? Remain in the faith. Remain in the faith. This exhortation that he gives us, remember, comes right after Hebrews 11, where we saw all the incredible examples of people's lives, people who had lived by faith. The people who the writers of Hebrews tells us in verse 33, what does he say about them? He says that they overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Others were tortured. Some were jeered at and had their backs cut open by whips. 
Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in two. Others killed with the sword. Some were destitute and oppressed and mistreated. And then in verse 9 in chapter 11, we're told that all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received what all that God had promised them. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. That's amazing. Think of it. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and we are to run a race. Have you ever thought about it? Yes, it's a sports analogy. It's that time of the year, right? This is a sports analogy from the Bible. That's cool. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're to run a race just like we're in the Olympics. I don't see myself as a runner. <laughs> but I'm being told I can run this race. Yes. And that... This race, this sports analogy is we are in the race for life. This is a life of faith, that, a race we're running by faith. And we're runners in a marathon. It's not like the sprint that we saw where they can, it's all over in a few seconds. Imagine this crowd that we're surrounded by. Who's in it? Who makes up this crowd that's all around us? What's amazing about it, it's these people that live by faith. It's the people who won. They won this race. We are surrounded by people who are witnesses to the life of living by faith. That's an amazing crowd. It isn't spectators. It's people that were runners and they won the race. This is cool to me. I mean, that fires me up. If I'm surrounded by a lot of people, it's like all the great athletes. I'm surrounded by a crowd who are watching me and going, I did that. I won that. I completed that race. He can too. All who enter this race can win. That's what's amazing. In most races, what? There's only one winner. You might have a tie. But in this race, everyone can win. That should fire us up. And you're surrounded by thousands who've won it and said, you can do it. That's the analogy here. That fires me up. I don't know how that makes you feel, but there are people who've already won the prize that are there telling us, win it. You can. This just fires me up. So let's go to the next slide. How do we run the race? How are we going to do this? Well, the first point is, We have to run the race by God's rules. 
We have to obey his word. In 2 Timothy 2.5, yes, I'm jumping out of this scripture because I'm going to pull some things together. But in 2 Timothy 2.5, he says, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. There are rules. It's God's race, and he has made the rules on how we can compete in the race. Here's the rub. We like making our own rules. We would love to have a race where we go, it's over when I say it's over. <laughs> I'd like to go the course that I want to go. You know, I think today I'm going to hop in a cab at a certain point, and that'll take me across the finish line. Now, we, we want to make our own rules and run in the race. And when we look at God's word and what he says about running the race, we want to change it. And look at our culture. Doesn't it do that? Oh, no. You don't have to repent. Sin, don't worry about that. You were forgiven. Don't be serious about doing that, dealing with that. We don't want to compete by the rules. That's the danger. But we must. We can't mark out our own course. And we can't make up how we're going to participate. You know, we, we don't want to be full-time runners. I want to run sometime. And then I'll get back to that race. Right? I'm done for today. I'll get back to it tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. Once you start the race... You're in it, and you need to win it. It makes sense, right? But we get all weird about this when we're in this analogy in life. We start thinking other ways. It's very interesting. So my next point is, and how we're to run the race, is you've got to want to win it. You have to want to win it. If you go back to Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16, what we see is that all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's inspiring. That's people who have an end in mind. They have a reason to go for it, a reason to win. And guys, for us to run a race and be victorious and get to the end, you have to have the finish line in mind. What's awaiting me? What is victory like? What does that look to my life? If you don't have that, you'll get tripped up along the way. You got to want to win. And you got to have a good reason for winning. And God has given us Incredible reasons for winning. 
eternal life, perfection, being in his presence. I mean, make your list from God's word. It's amazing. See, no one, there's not a single person that can make you run this race. It has to come from in here. It has to come from your mind and your heart, all, your all for you to run this race and for you to finish it. So let me ask you, what motivates you to be a disciple of Jesus? You have to have a motivation. You have to have something that is, I've made a decision. I'm going to do this. Draw on that. If you're a disciple of Jesus today, you have to keep that view. You have to keep those thoughts in mind so that you can complete this race. What were you looking for when you started following Jesus? What were you looking for? There were things I wanted to run away from. There were things I wanted to leave behind. I was looking for something better than where I was. Is this making sense? So for us to run this race, we also need to strip off every weight. The scripture says here, you got to throw it off. Now, imagine a runner that is strapping on weight. <laughs> That's not going to be me. <laughs> you know, I remember back in the days when I used to run decades ago, many decades ago, <laughs> the idea was I'm not even going to have a shirt on. This is so uncomfortable. I don't even want socks. I mean, I just want to have as little as possible and be decent if I can. And maybe I was immodest in running, but I, the idea was as the miles went by, the heavier everything seemed to be. And that's why I don't run anymore physically. <laughs> so taking off those weights. What is he talking about? The writer is talking about good things gone bad. Good things gone bad. What, what does that mean? You have good things in your life that you fill your life up with that keep you from running the race. They interfere, they hinder you, they hold you back, they weigh you down. And you need to watch out for that. They're good things in and of themselves. But put in the wrong perspective, held to the wrong ideal, they will make you lose. They will weigh you down and you won't be able to finish. So let's be specific. Your job can do this. You can choose the wrong job. You can be the guy who's traveling 60% of the time. You're never home. You can't make relationships. You're in other places. Why did you choose that job? Well, I got to support my family when you don't see them. Good things gone bad. You got the wrong job, doing the wrong thing in the wrong way with the wrong perspective. 
that is pulling you away from the life and the race that God wants you to run. You must be very careful. But relationships can do this to us as well. We can take a person, a good person, a wonderful relationship, and we can make this the all-encompassing thing that we want to spend all of our time thinking about. And I've got to spend all my time with this person, and this is what is all-engrossing to me. I'm so wrapped up in this individual. And what ends up happening, I'm not running my race. I got caught up in a good thing. But now it's hindering me. It's weighing me down. There's so many things we can do about this. Guys, we encourage as parents our children to be involved in activities. And activities are great. You can be involved in music. You can be involved in sports, gymnastics, whatever. And you can be pulled away because you're not present. You're no longer running the race. This is my focus. I'm going to be the best musician. I'm going to be the best actor. I'm going to be the best runner. I'm going to be the best this, that. And quite frankly, having been in college sports, there are so few people that go on before that. I do not advise that as being the primary focus for 99.9% of us. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, even education. Even education. Be careful. You're here at school. Be careful. Don't weigh it down. I've got to get straight A's. You've got to do your best. You have to do your best, but you can't let it weigh you down. You can still run the race and be a great student. Strip off every weight. And then he says something else. We need to run the race and throw off the sin. Notice how there are two different things here. There's weights and there's sins. It's pretty sad when we have both. (laughs) I've loaded myself down and I'm sinning. He talks about the sin tripping us up. We can trip our own selves up. We're running along, and I am imagining, in this case, cross-country. When you're doing cross-country, you're running up and down hills and over routes and stuff like that. That's another thing I just never understood. But (laughs) in any case, you know, football has a smooth field. The grass is clipped. Anyway, so long story short, you can't hold on to sin and finish the race. Right. You just can't. It'll trip you up. You know, uh, I was looking uh, online and I saw a great quote about sin. Because, yeah, we could go through a list of sins and we could talk about those. But this really came at it from a different perspective. And it was written by John Piper. And he said, what is sin? He said, is the glory of God not honored? The holiness of God not reverenced. The greatness of God not admired. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. 
the faithfulness of God not trusted, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. That is sin. What sin are you holding on to? See, that's the problem is we let something in and then we hold on to it and it trips us up. It gets us distracted, gets us discouraged. And that race stops. Just like the man with the the hamstring. It's just like, I'm not running anymore. What sin are you holding on to? You need to ask yourself that and you need to deal with it to get back in the race. So again, how do we run this race? You have to run it with endurance. This is interesting and I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to go for it, okay? I'm going for it. All right, so the Greek word for race if I understood it correctly, was agona. Okay? Some, some are nodding. <laughs> okay, some are nodding yes. All right, so I'm going to tell you a little more now. All right, so that is where we get the English word agony. Now I can connect with running, okay? I get it, agony. You see, The race of life can be agonizing. You have to endure pain, hurt, suffering. But in running this race of faith, it has to be something that you embrace, that that discomfort, because it, it serves a purpose. Does that make sense? You are actually saying, okay, there's going to be hurt in running this. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to be in pain. And I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to push through it. When you deny yourself and embrace hardship for a purpose or goal, that's enduring. And... What did Jesus say? We need to to take up our cross daily, right? Deny ourselves. It's the race that God has marked out for us. We're willing to endure all kinds of crazy things for something that is temporary. We will put up with all kinds of discomfort and pain for something that is not eternal. How much more should we do so for something that has everlasting rewards? Something that's temporary, fleeting, and does not last. Think about what you've had to endure just because of your sins. You took on something that it looked like it was going to be good. And what ended up happening? You had to endure discomfort, pain, shame, hurt for something that did not last. But that hurting may, that shame may last. 
And that's what's frightening about sin. I would rather endure hardship for a purpose. That's right. Something eternal for a treasure that will not spoil, fade, rust. Something that can't be taken away from me. That's what I would rather endure hardship for. So how do you embrace hardship? I mean, that's tough. How do you embrace it? That, that is the question, isn't it? Well, the scripture answers. We have an answer. Says we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We endure because we have Jesus who gives us an example of endurance that we can follow. Because he endured the cross and its shame with joy because he was looking ahead, the scripture says. He was looking beyond the immediate circumstance and that discomfort and shame and pain to the goal, to what was going to be happening. He was going to be able to be back with the Father. But even more than that is we would be victorious over death. There would be victory for us that we would be able to cross the finish line and he would be there waiting for us. That's exciting. He did that because he was filled with joy at that thought that I'm going to be there. You're going to be there at the end by what he was doing. That fires me up. He saw that joy ahead. He saw the victory. So again, how are we to run the race? You can't quit. You can't quit. Don't quit. You cannot grow weary and quit. Drive it into your head as a mantra. I will not quit. I will not stop. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. You have to do that, guys. You have to. I mean, think about what causes you to get weary and want to, to give up. What is it? I know for me that it's resistance. You know, there, there, there's just resistance. That culture says that what I believe is, is hateful and unloving. Culture says that what I believe is wrong, that it's a fantasy, it's make-believe. What most anything I believe is contradicted by popular society. And you know, that's a resistance that's just present all the time. It's present when you start having conversations, when you start reaching out to people. It's resistance. You're always on the wrong side, it seems like. And be honest with you, the people that are on your side are supposed to believe what you believe. They're difficult. <laughs> They're irritating. They're selfish. They're self-focused at times. That can cause me to get weary and get tired and go, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? And you've got to think about the reason again. I'm doing this for the prize, for the victory, for the win. I want to be with God. 
You say all this stuff doesn't matter. This stuff that I that is resistance, you got to go. Of course, there's resistance. So what? I don't want to miss out on a good thing because of resistance. You know, all right, I'm going to have to give you a sports analogy. So if you didn't know, I was a walk-on for the University of Georgia football team. And when you're a walk-on, you don't have a scholarship. And when you walk on, that's really one of the major reasons that you're walking on is I would like to have a scholarship. I would like for in return for playing hard, you pay for my school. Well, a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. But I was there with people that were bigger than I, that were more talented than I, that had scholarships. Okay? They had gotten the prize that I was looking for. And I can remember as we were going through three a days, in the first week of practice, in the middle of August at Georgia, in uniforms, dying from the heat, and what we were trying to do, I saw guys quit. I saw guys who had their education paid for, that had won it, and they're going, it's hard. And they left, and they left in the middle of the night. They just packed their stuff and disappeared. I'm going, you're nuts. But that's how people react to hardship sometimes. They quit. When they have everything. They have everything. They already won. It never ceased to amaze me. So when we look at this, none of us, it says, have struggled against sin like this the people that are in this crowd of witnesses to living by faith. None of us have done that. When you're thinking of your hardship and your weariness, you haven't endured what they endured yet. Remember, they bled for their faith. Some died. They lived by faith and were persecuted by very evil people. This scripture is here for a reason both to the Hebrews back then and for us now, is that living by faith, some of us might have to pay the ultimate price and die for our faith. It could happen. It could happen. Some of us may have to lay down our lives to win the race. And you go, how could I ever do that? By faith. That God's going to keep his word, that he's waiting for you at the finish line. Earlier, the writer told his audience in Hebrews 10, verse 32, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust 
in the Lord. Don't quit. And so the next thing we need to do to run the race is to accept discipline. To run this race, we have to accept being disciplined. In verse 5, he asks, have you forgotten God's encouraging words to you? You know, what are those encouraging words? He's speaking through his word that we are his children. That's an amazing thing. God tells us, you're my child. I'm going to treat you like you're my child. In Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12, that's what we're reading. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. I want to be a child that's undisciplined. That's what we all want, it seems like. But God does discipline us and he does correct us for a purpose. He wants us to learn lessons. He allows the hardships to happen in our lives. He allows it. And we try to avoid it. He's putting there, he's letting it happen so that you're trained by it. You know, we try to avoid difficulties. We try to get out of it. And God's there disciplining us as his children so that we can learn by it. So that we can ultimately share in his holiness, the scripture says. That we can be with him. That's why he's doing it. That's why he disciplines us. You know, what if you finally realized that it's not God's will for you to have everything you want. What if you finally learned that lesson? You're not supposed to have everything you want. Well, we get it if you have a little child that's two years old. Where with this? I mean, they're grabbing everything. They think they can do anything. And as a parent, do you let them do anything? Of course not. That's his whole point here. God is treating us as his children. He protects us. He disciplines us. He corrects us. So we'll live. (laughs) We'll survive. So we'll grow up. So we'll be functioning adults. Yeah, God's discipline can be painful. It can hurt. It can And we can feel discouraged during it. I know when I had discipline from my parents, I did not feel the love. (laughs) I was not feeling like they loved me when they were doing it. It's counterintuitive. You mean you discipline me as showing me your love? Come on, that doesn't seem right. But it was. They were trying to help me. You know, I remember when uh, Stephanie and Ephraim came to live with Roxanne and I, they had not been disciplined. (laughs) And when we started disciplining them, it was like, this is crazy. What are you doing to us? And teaching them the concept that everyone 
needs to learn through discipline was alien. But it wasn't until they went to school and they started seeing other children who were not being disciplined by their parents and what they were doing and what was happening to them. You know, having anyone over to house engaged in whatever kind of activities, the pain that that was actually causing the children. That lack of discipline actually physically and mentally was hurting the kids. And they could finally see that. It took a while, but they could see that. So how are you reacting to being disciplined by God? That's the question. How, how are you reacting? We're told not to take it lightly. This is happening for a reason. You're going through this. What's the reason? If you don't ask that and you don't adjust accordingly, you're going to get it some more. <laughs> That's the sad part of it. If you don't understand why you're going through discipline, you're not trying to find out and you're just going full speed ahead, you're going to keep getting it. Can anyone give a witness? Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, thank you. We're, uh, there's two of us here, so that's all right. <laughs> so if you are enduring discipline, if you're going through it, don't quit. Don't quit. You need to submit to it. You need to give into it and go, okay, I'm going with this. Yeah. I, I'm embracing it. I don't know what this is about. Sometimes we don't understand. I mean, think about it as a kid when you were getting disciplined, you're like, they're crazy. What are they doing this for? I don't get it. What's the big deal? Well, you need to figure out what the big deal is. <laughs> you need, you might have, sometimes it actually helps. Ask your parent, why are we doing this again? What's going on here? Be trained by it. Be trained by the discipline. You see, athletes understand. You go through the drills. You go through the exercises. You go through all the stuff to be trained to get better, to be stronger. That's why it happens, and that's why God is doing it. The Scripture says if we will submit to the discipline of God, in verse 9, it says we will live forever. If you will submit, submit. So then how are we to run the race? We got to get stronger. In verse 12, it says, so take a new grip on your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. You know, this this verse reminds me of an athlete. It's a, an athlete that's got the beat down. I mean, they are hurting. They're wobbling. <laughs> they are, they're on their last leg. They're punch drunk. Whatever sport you want to talk about, they are, they're about to fall. Okay? They're competing, but they are hurting. That's what this looks at. And, and what is he saying to someone? The writer's saying, get a grip. That's what he's literally saying. Right. Get a grip. Get a new grip. <laughs> Pull it together. You got to get stronger. Come on. 
That's what he's doing. Work on your character. Pray. Learn the word of God. Apply it to your life. But what's really cool, there's an element to this, this last verse that we're looking at where, where it's telling us we can help other runners. We're not in the race alone. Remember, we can all win. We can all be the winner, which is really cool. And we can help mark out a path for other people. Hey, don't go that way. <laughs> That's not a good way. It's this way. Let's run this way. Oh, and this is where it's smooth. Let's, let's run this way, okay? We can do that for each other. He is reminding us that even those runners that are injured, that have been weakened, can still win. You can still win. You don't have to be perfect, but you need to get stronger. That's, that's the challenge.